0: Seniors and HIV, the myths and the reality. You're listening to REACHMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a REACH MD special series exploring health education. I'm your host, Dr. Gary Cohn, and joining me is Jane Fowler, the founder and director of the HIV Wisdom for Older Women program. Jane was a career journalist for more than 30 years and now serves as an HIV AIDS prevention educator her work has been cited by a number of national media programs, and today we're going to be talking about seniors and HIV, the myths and the reality. Jane, thank you for uh, being with us today. We appreciate that. Maybe before we get into the specifics of this topic, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your own background and uh, how you ended up as an HIV-AIDS prevention educator from being a a journalist.
1: You're right. It was a a switch. I went from being the interviewer to the interviewee, and this happened because I discovered that I had become HIV-infected, and that was so, so devastating, so surprising, that I... I lived as a kind of recluse for about four years. I told very few people after I got my diagnosis. Then I decided that I wasn't helping myself or anyone else. And since I had the ability to write the skill, that perhaps I also could speak and that I could best make something better out of a bad situation by trying to reach out to others to the general public, to anybody who would listen, about the transmission and prevention of HIV, especially in seniors.
0: In your previous life, I assume you hadn't specialized in health care or prevention or any of those things before?
1: I did not. I was a general assignment reporter, a feature writer. I eventually specialized in, in food writing, in fact. So this was a departure, but it was a way for me to do something.
0: When you decided to do that, what did you find was the, let's say, the lay of the land? Had there been much education about the issue of, of seniors and HIV/AIDS?
1: No. Very little, and there's still very little for that matter. And it began with the establishment of an organization called National Association on HIV Over 50. That was back in 1995. This happened at a conference I attended, and I wanted to become involved. Most of the members, the founders, the group that founded this organization, most of them were professionals. They were case managers. They were in the aging field whatever. They were not infected individuals. I was one of the few infected individuals. But I thought, with my experience as a journalist, knowing how to interact with the media, that I would be a good person to be an active member of this board. And the board members felt the same way. And that's how it began.
0: Tell us about some of the first steps that, as a board, you proceeded to do in the way of education.
1: We set up a website. We At a conference or two, we tried to, whenever we saw an opportunity to speak at any kind of conference, especially at an HIV conference where there would be no no sessions to target older people or at aging conferences like the American Society on Aging, that kind of conference where in the past there had been no sessions on HIV, or few if any, and we would attempt to become speakers to lead a session on this issue to open people's eyes.
0: Was there much resistance to that? Were you considered to be irrelevant or very relevant? How were you first responded to? (laughs) I,
1: I hesitate to say resistance, but we found that for the most part our abstracts our proposals to give sessions were not accepted and that if accepted and over the years this has improved but if accepted a group of us would go to do the session and we had very few people attending the sessions i'll never forget an asa conference in San Francisco where there were six of us on a panel sitting in the front of a room. This was a conference attended by probably 2,000 people, and there were six of us on the panel, and in the audience, there were 12.
0: What do we know now about incidents and transmission rates, or, or do we know much about that?
1: We don't know as much as we should. We do know that the rate of infection is increasing in seniors, and that's primarily through heterosexual infection. The rates of AIDS cases, according to the CDC, are increasing in people over 50, but now part of that is due to the fact, thank God, that a number of younger people or a number of people who contracted the virus as 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, whatever, are now living on and becoming older. And so that adds to the, the numbers that the CDC is seeing. These are not people who were infected at age 50 or older, as I was. I was infected at exactly age 50. But people who were infected in their younger years, and as I say, thank God, are living on.
0: For those of you who are just tuning in, welcome to a special series exploring health education on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Gary Cohn, and I'm speaking with Jane Fowler, and we're discussing seniors and HIV, the myths and the reality. So, Jane, you were telling us a little bit about uh, incidence rates and uh, how we're getting some of that information now. You've spoken in the past about the fact that perhaps we're not testing seniors as much as younger age groups. So is, is it possible that we don't really know what the incidence is?
1: Absolutely. We might have a good count on the number of full-blown AIDS cases of people who are are really ill, but those of us who are simply HIV-infected and going on with our lives and maybe haven't even been tested, these are the people that we're concerned about as well as keeping people from becoming infected, but the people that we don't know are infected. And what happens is an older person often has full-blown AIDS, an opportunistic infection, which can be called AIDS. That has developed before he or she ever knows of an HIV infection. And again, that is because an older person is rarely tested.
0: So what you're saying is uh, oftentimes either because of misdiagnosis or non-diagnosis that our elderly patients with AIDS are getting into the system much later than uh, the younger cohort. And that's obviously not good, not good for their treatment. You've shared these thoughts and feelings in your own story with both lay and medical audiences. What kind of response have you got from your, I'm specifically interested in your medical audiences. Are people surprised? They think it's credible?
1: They're very surprised. And I'm sorry to have to say that it's difficult to reach medical audiences. Medical providers still seem to think that this is not a disease that, that affects the, quote, elderly.
0: Most of us understand that the primary transmission routes that we think of in the younger groups are, are sexual transmission, intravenous drugs, blood transfusions, and the like. Is, is there any reason to believe that either the, the transmission modes are different or the relative frequency of transmissions is different in the older age group? Or, or should we just assume it's the same?
1: I would say it's the same.
0: And so then the kinds of things that docs ask their patients who they believe to be sexually at risk, those kinds of questions, that kind of approach to prevention, really shouldn't be any different just because the calendar's changed.
1: That's right. And too often the physician asks only about alcohol use, smoking, etc. Very seldom are sexual or drug histories taken of older people. And we just feel this has to change. And if the docs, as you call them, are not doing it, then we would hope that the senior citizens going in for an appointment might bring it up.
0: For those of you who are just tuning in, welcome to a special series exploring health education on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Gary Cohn, and I'm speaking with Jane Fowler, and we're discussing seniors and HIV, the myths and the reality you have over the years been involved in a number of educational efforts to bring this message to the outside world and do you have any way of measuring uh, the efficacy of those efforts have you published in any fashion like we've done this and therefore this changed or is it is it even measurable
1: i don't think it's measurable i occasionally hear from people that my message has reached them and They've changed their attitudes or or their actions in regard to sexual encounters or, for that matter, drug encounters, but no, there's no way to measure.
0: Do you have a sense, anecdotally, even what kind of things work best and what kind of things are not so efficient in terms of education and prevention efforts?
1: I have found that having someone like myself Who's older, who has become infected, is willing to stand up and talk about it, explain how that happened and how it could have been prevented, what other people need to know about this, is perhaps the best way for an older audience to see a similar face, an older wrinkled face of a person living with HIV that makes more of an impact than just a professional standing up and talking about it, I believe.
0: You know, it's interesting because that's very analogous to how some substance abuse education and prevention programs got started. People would stand up, be recognized, say that person looks like me, and therefore it's okay to talk about. So I guess that has worked for you. And, of course, you've had some pretty broad exposure. Your work has been cited on Oprah and CNN. Do you think that's helped any? Have you got feedback after those kinds of exposures?
1: Well, yes, but not to the degree that I might have wished. But I I will say to anyone that I am so grateful to the media. I do believe that my story getting out, what I have to say as an educator about transmission and prevention is being promoted in the media, and this is going to trickle down somehow and reach people. That is my hope because it's not easy to assemble an audience of seniors to listen because they are in denial that this can affect them. They think it's a disease of the young, a disease of them, not us, if you will and it, therefore it's often difficult to reach them. Then there's also the stigma. If they go to a program about HIV and somebody sees them there, well, of course, what's that person doing there as well? But there is that stigma about attending a program like this. So it is my hope that, that either through listening or seeing or reading in the media that I can get the message across.
0: I suspect you are, and I hope we are helping with that. I want to express my thanks to Jane Fowler for being our guest. We've been talking about seniors and HIV, the myths and the reality. I'm Dr. Gary Cohn, and you've been listening to a special series exploring health education on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. To comment or listen to our full library of podcasts, visit us at reachmd.com register with promo code radio and receive six months free streaming for your home or office thanks for listening